Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Here we are with another grassroots marketing here on CannabisRadio.com. And joining me today, I have... Aja Allen, who is the owner and operator of 64 and Hope, who is a mid-city in Los Angeles, California. How are you doing? I am well. I am blessed. Thank you for having me. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for making time to join us. I'm glad we got this put together. And I want to preface that uh, some of you might have listened to our Plant Profits program, where we actually featured Kareem Webb, who's the founder of Fourth Movement. And you might remember... The story, just the background of him becoming a franchiser and helping other uh, supporting minority entrepreneurs, including those in the cannabis space. And so this, so Aja here is one of the people that have that been uh, one of the, those that have been, have had the opportunity to work with Kareem on getting a particular store lifted off the ground or a particular brand lifted off the ground. So in 2018, Los Angeles announced that two thirds of all Cannabis retail licenses would be set aside for black and brown folks disproportionately targeted by the war on drugs. Disenfranchised. And in many of South Los Angeles who qualified, uh, this is going from, from what I'm reading of, the, of a press release here, a young woman from the jungle saw it as a chance to gain economic parity and generational wealth for her family. But if you're lucky enough to get a license, where do you get the resources, financing, and construction knowledge to start a $1.5 million cannabis dispensary? The short answer is you don't. Making under the poverty line and knowing she couldn't do this alone, Aja Allen set to find out a find a trusted partner to help make this opportunity a reality. Three years, numerous delays, millions later, and the help of a local black-owned startup, you opened 64 and Hope Aja, located on the La Cienega above the 10 freeway, a dispensary concept explicitly created to build generational wealth for social equity licenses. You're also the first LGBTQ owner in LA. 
and one of 21 social equity licensees to open newly essential 64 and hope dispensaries all at no upfront cost to the licensee. And I want to just take a quote that you made about this saying that, quote, I want 64 and hope to be a platform to help people from my neighborhood identify and develop their talents. I want to empower them to be their best selves. I'm ready to get this business up and running so that I'm able to be a pillar in my community. And you brought this to light. Do you feel like uh, so far the experience of being able to go and put this together? Uh, I mean, did you? Part of it would be, of course, the opportunity is there, but as you brought this along, did you even feel like you were going to be able to make this happen anyway, regardless, because your passion, your drive, and what you wanted to do here, creating 64 and Hope? Um, you know, definitely something that, you know, I've been, again, like you, like you spoke to, super passionate about. Um, it was, it was a struggle, you know, um, we started out with 300 applicants and, you know, with it ended up being 21 and it was a three year process. And, you know, all of us had jobs and lives and, and, and everything that, you know, we still had to commit to in order to continue to, you know, to run our lives to the best of our ability. But um, it was definitely something that um, I would, you know, I, I, I was not ready to back out of um, no matter how long it was going to take me to, to get it done. Um, because again, it was something that, and um, I, it was it was just a real disconnect for me as far as my career went. I've, I've been in retail, luxury retail, and worked with the best brands for a really long time. But um, it was a disconnect for me. I wanted to be um, known for something so much more. You know what I mean? So again, without Fourth Movement, it just wasn't even imaginable for me to be honest. I mean, you have to think about it just to um, apply. It was like twenty five k. You know what I mean? And that's just for an application fee, like, and there was no guarantee that I was going to, you know, even be, um, get approved to, to move forward. So, um, again, it was something that I was passionate about, but from my standpoint in 2018, it just was unimaginable for me. So the launch of 64 and hope of the dispensary concept explicitly created to build generational wealth for social equity licensees. And, in my opinion, I feel like when you have people that have become famous or have become wealthy, there it's a little bit of a. I always feel like there's some there are some people that are that have done very well coming out of a particular environment or, or in a particular neighborhood, and right. they made themselves they brought themselves out of being poor to become rich, but never paying back. And in some cases, right. they feel like because there's the thought process that to build generational wealth are those people they're going to the next generation if they were able to get this opportunity themselves are they going to uh, are they going to splurge are they going to you know they're going to take it for granted and right. so part of the fact that you're creating this social equity and making sure you could pay it forward what are, what can be done then would you say to make sure that the next generation that gets the same opportunity that you had that you fought hard to get to make sure they don't lose out on this yeah so a part of you know being able to to um move forward in the pro in the in the process with fourth movement you had to go through a number of 
you know, self-coaching classes and um, just a bunch of different, you know, just trainings and, and things of that nature to be able to identify and, and distinguish who was going to, you know, regenerate uh, capital and, and pour back into the community or who was going to go and splurge and, and, and do all the wrong things with this money. You know what I mean? So for me, again, this took three years and going through those life coaching sessions and all those trainings, I ended up, you know, resigning from my job well about like maybe a year, almost a year and a half um, before the store even opened, just because of those trainings, I was able to identify my best self, you know, way before the store even opened, which I ended up opening up a nonprofit for homeless, um, domestic violence victims, people who um, abuse drugs and are looking for a way out um, things that again fourth movement put in place for us so that we were able to identify our best selves and they were able to identify who to invest in you know what i mean so um for me again um i was able to identify those things very early on into the process and i feel like you know going forward in this process in the social equity process it's super important to identify those people who are who are not going to just go out and spend a bunch of money on themselves and their family. And when they say generational right. wealth, it's not just about their family's generational wealth. It's about our community as a whole and the generational wealth that we need to create as a community. So, um, you know, just taking that extra step and, and really digging deep, you know, within yourself and saying, hey, like, you know, what can I do for my community outside of just myself, you know, and you have other parent companies that are, I hope are, are, are adopting, you know, our model that will be able to identify people in the community that are good fits to own businesses and become entrepreneurs and sort of adopt the fourth movement business model, put them through, you know, tests and trainings and, and send them through live coaching sessions so that they can get rid of past trauma and, and be able to move forward as, as, them best, as, as their best self. So there's part with the education. But the other thing I also think would be very important is when it comes to who's going to green light for you, who's going to be there to invest for you and how they can relate and they can understand because they fall they've created the path for someone to follow that path and then somebody can actually reinvest back into someone else's next generation so when you have that generational wealth it's reinvested back into the next generation so it's not just the education but then they also are able to go ahead and say okay well this is my project i want somebody that you understand we came from the same streets we came from the same environment we have the same kind of equity diversity inclusion issues that we've broken the barrier on and now you're opened up to this number one make sure don't take for granted and second you show your education and you have somebody that will invest in you directly so for instance the kind of collaborations that you have right now with 64 and hope angela rye live nations new cannabis nation alien labs ball family farms black investors like troy carter and marlon nichols of mac venture capital and Julius D. Irving III, Executive Vice President of Silly Music Entertainment, those types of names, and bringing a real collaboration of names that will be the next venture capitalist, that who you go to to invest in your project will be somebody that it's a more relatable pitch 
that yes, it's not sir. going to be somebody that's going to have some kind of a culture barrier that's going to kind of block the chance of being given that opportunity. If you have people in places of venture capital and investment to be able to give you that seed funding makes the transition easier. Yes, sir. You hit the, you hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but there's got to be really enough did. people to do that, too. So yes, when some people yes. are able to get there and they feel like they just need to go and isolate themselves or, well, I'm just going to just be philanthropic. I'll offer to these charities. Mm-hmm. Well, the real charity is how about helping here in the investment end and, you know, taking the, taking the opportunity and just not, uh, maybe, is there any kind of feel like where with the people that you talked to, was there any kind of hesitation you felt like when it came to investment from people that you wanted to have invest in you and saying to themselves, well, I'm not really good at this. I'm not really very sound in investments. And because I'm not maybe a, an, a, an accredited investor, I'm not a very, I don't research a lot. I'm too busy with other projects. Are they going to take the time to go ahead and realize, no, your investment is very sound and it's worth putting the money into it? Yeah. Um, I can't say that I had any problems in that area, to be honest. Um I wish I did have more people to reach out to and be able to educate and say, hey, yeah, take the time out of your day and do some research and and, and really dig deep, you know. But um, unfortunately, I didn't have that um, that problem. One thing I also make point of is that even though the licenses have been put out, it's the matter of who is getting these social equity licenses. When California legalized cannabis cultivation for medicinal purposes, the expectation was that Blacks will be allowed to own dispensaries and trade marijuana within the confines of the law, but it was not the case, particularly in Los Angeles, according to the co-founder of the California Minority Alliance. Of the 200 cannabis retailers previously approved in Los Angeles, only six were black-owned or led by a black person. So do you feel like there's a bit of a thing where we should have a bit of more of a makeup or representation of who's getting those licenses? And do you feel like there's supposed to be you feel like there might be a priority that should be put in place more as to who receives those licenses, even more structured than just somebody who meets the parameters of socially equitable. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the major, I think, misses that the city missed in this whole situation and, and this process. Um, again, there were like, to your point, there was only six people and they have to realize that, the huge miss was was the capital and the resources behind majority of us. Um, not a, not a lot of people that are from my community have people that are willing to to invest. First of all, and majority of the people that come from from where I'm from don't even know where to start. I literally didn't even know where to start and. Again, it, it, it just falls back and ties back into the city and them not being directly connected to the community and what we need as partners. I mean, at the end of the day, I would have never been able to do this on my own, you know, and if I wouldn't have had access to resources, it would have just been in the hands of another person that was not that 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 didn't deserve it being 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 quite frank. I mean. I I grew up in a neighborhood that literally over-policed decapitations behind my home. I was traumatized from a very young age. And it, I mean, that's where my my um my passion for cannabis grew. But at the end of the day, like 
I would have never been able to to do this. Like, you know, the city just there's a huge disconnect when it comes to the city and when it comes to oh, yeah. the partners. They need to be able to connect with them on a level to where we voice our needs and they say, hey, what person do you know that makes I think the threshold was like $46,000 a year in order to qualify. How are they supposed to stand up a competitive business? So when I try to wrap this around my head about the lack of those in the black community that have the licenses in, in Los Angeles in particular, that I feel like when you see other communities, other cultures, they kind of rally around themselves and put themselves in positions of power or influence or be able to be the investors or to be the people that are in management, C-level executives, um, instead of hoping for social equity to be, to be deviated by a community or just that it's not going to be equally given out, do you feel mm -hmm. like it's more important that you have people of like-minded or like color or like influence or sexual orientation that mm -hmm. if you have those people in positions of management or influence or power, they need to be embedded for to have a better chance to turn that number around. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, to your point, um, we have to do as a black community, we have to do better in that area. We do. Right. We have to, we see that in, in almost every community. Um, but it's something that's an area of an opportunity for the black community to be able to to get in those positions of power and then again reinvest into our community and and really make sure that we are creating those lanes um for our people and it goes the same way where it's just every different area so if it's if it's in paul if it becomes to be citizen service politicians if it's the LAPD being a negative light, which there's a lot of reasons why it's given a negative light, but if there yeah, are more people that are entering <laughs> into the into the space in those areas, whether it's you know first responders, whether it's policymakers, whether it's people in the investment industry or whatever, it's embedding mm -hmm. people within the community to be successful to serve as conduits and as supporters and and, and as allies in arms yes. to bring that bring the black community or the LGBTQ community forward. And that's, I, that. I think that's one of the, the definite things that has to happen instead of hoping for certain people that are not going to respond. And this mm -hmm. is what the, the, the breakdown is, is because you have people that, you know, it's a harder, it's a harder discussion. It's a harder way, which is why someone like Kareem Webb looking out for people like you and other companies, he has gone through the route. So we need more people like Kareem to be on board that have the way to go ahead and give you the gateway to get in and be able to give this opportunity. So talk to me Agreed. about the importance of how you were able to go and connect with fourth movement and Kareem Webb to get this opportunity to be able to put 64 in hope and make it reality. Yeah. Um, so like I'm in the beginning stages and, you know, like right now, um, I think <laughs> I, I thought that the hardest part of opening a, a business and, and doing this was going to be, you know, being an entrepreneur and being being a business owner but to be honest the 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 more difficult part is is being the role model um well, yeah. from for the people from my community and then looking up to me and and making sure that you know i am reinvesting in my community and and saying um all the right things to inspire and motivate and all those things so i think that that it's it's 
it's easy to run a business from my standpoint right now. It's it's the more important part and the more difficult part for me as to what you spoke to is is figuring out the best way to go to create those lanes for um, people that, you know, like-minded people like myself that want to be entrepreneurs, didn't have the resources, didn't necessarily have the capital. So something that I'm um, implementing in the near here future is, is, is a mentorship um, for women who want to, you know, open in the cannabis space and um, do things in, in, in the cannabis space. And I've partnered with um, John Hope Bryan and 1 million black businesses on that. And um, he's mentoring me right now. And um, he's just showing, kind of showing me the way. So that's something that I'm implementing um, from the gate right now is just a mentorship. And um, outside of that, you know, um, I do plan on creating a ton of different things within my community. I'm just, I'm just not sure what order or what way, um, I'm going to do it, but it's, it's like, I'm super passionate about kids, animals, um, the homeless, my mother indulged and, and abused drugs for a long time in my life. So that's also something that I'm really passionate about getting people off the streets and getting them the help that they need. So, um, for me, I just want to be of service to my community in whatever way that I can. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just partnering with people, like you said, like Kareem, John Hope Ryan, who's great, um, to just give me, um, more of a, a framework on, on how that looks. Well, then you're driven to success. You have more, not just your own personal drive to success, but also to look out for your community. But then also the thing too, is that you're not gonna be able to do it all by yourself. And so Absolutely. it's a matter of, there's all these other causes you can do to put yourself into other causes that might be able to go and do what you're looking to do the same like-minded and also building up other people that will become successful that they will then come in and ally with you to create causes or nonprofits that will help take care of some of the areas that you'd like to see met, you know, and pass it on. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Perfect. So let's <laughs> wrap things up real quickly and talk about 64 and hope. And so let's go ahead and talk about 64 and hope, the store itself, which I'll go ahead and give the actual address. It's, Look, going to be located at the at La Cienega Boulevard and Guthrie Avenue in Central Los Angeles, California. Uh, the website is the number sixty four and hope dot com six four and hope all one word dot com. Culture, community, cannabis. Love the layout of the store. So, talk to me about what people can experience uh, when they come in, and what are some of the things they can look forward to. Yeah, so again, we're located at 2000 La Cienega, right uh, below the 10 freeway. When you come into 64 and Hope, you can expect a holistic, um, driven up almost path through, through the cannabis um, store. Um, we love to educate around the plant and, you know, destigmatize what you know, the myths around cannabis it being a gate, gateway drug and really highlight what the important health and wellness benefits of the plant. So, you know, my aunt, she suffers from seizures and, and um, they really help stabilize her. Myself, I um, suffer from anxiety, social anxiety. So it's something that helps me. And um, so just 
really be expecting to, to get some education around cannabis and don't feel like ever you have to stop in and only buy weed. You can always come in and just, again, get some education. We do have our grand opening November the 6th and 7th from 2 to 5. So if you're around, stop by. We have some great product. We partner with um, majority of our partners um, as far as um, what we sell here in store align with our ethos. So a lot of women-owned brands, you have a lot of POC brands, which are people of color brands. We have um, all types of, of, of great product um, that, you know, we, we'd love to share with the community. Yeah, actually, so stop I, I saw Ball community. Family Farms is in your uh, lineup of products. And we talked to Chris Ball on our Plant Profits program as well. And uh, nice. great story with uh, Chris. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would definitely go and check that out as well. Um, yes. And... Uh, Finally, is there any plans at all to do any products of your own, or, or is uh, right now um, what's the what's the future plans for Sixty Four and Hope? I mean, I know there's other projects you're working on as well. I haven't even had time to mention here on the show, but uh, just wanted to get other final thoughts as we close things up. Sure. Yeah. So um, we are opening twenty one more stores. We just broke ground on the second store. And I want to say the third as well. So be looking out for 64 and hope all throughout Los Angeles. We will be the biggest footprint in the cannabis uh, market. Um, outside of that, um, you know, we are going to partner with, with, with a lot of uh, brands that don't tend to do a lot of partnerships. So unfortunately I can't, <laughs> I can't reveal any of our, any of our exciting things, but just, just, um, you know, just follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, try to keep up with, with some of the, the events that we have happening because they are going to be great. Wonderful. So, again, uh, Los Angeles Boulevard, underneath the 10 Freeway, 64 and Hope. Website is 64x, uh, 64andhope.com. And I've been joined here once again with Aja Allen, owner and operator of 64 and Hope in Mid-City, Los Angeles. Thank you again for making time to join us. Really glad to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly a pleasure. Can't wait to come back. All right. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.